When this happened, you talked about it on the fan. Swung on. There it goes. Deep left. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Number 62 to set the new American League record. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. McMonagle here with you, 877-337-6666. So I teased it a couple times, 1993. This song certainly doesn't remind me of it necessarily, but we got news today teased by the man himself. Let's see, pull it up here. But for me, now apparently he came out with some music in 2007, but I have no memory of it whatsoever. I have no memory of Billy Joel coming out with anything in 2007, but apparently he did. But Billy Joel has just announced he is going to be releasing a new song. It's called Turn the Lights Back On, which is, you know, what I get screamed at as I walk down the hallway after I put my kid, my, my son Tommy to bed every night. Turn the light back on. I want to talk to you. No, you're going to bed. It's already 8.30, been up too late. But um, for the first time since 1993, like, I don't remember this 07 song. I've known, It was a single. It wasn't an album. It was just one single. I don't remember it at all. I went back and listened to it because someone put in an article that it's his first music since 07. And I was like, 07? What the hell did he come out with 07? And there was some, I don't know, some single I've never heard of. It didn't sound that great. But the first new music, which I've always killed Billy Joel for. I love Billy Joel. I've seen him, I don't know, four or five times. Amazingly enough, I've seen him like four or five times, never at the Garden during his residency. Amazing. I, I saw him four times before that. I haven't been to concerts in a long time. I stopped going. I don't know why. But anyway, other than Paul, of course. I go see Paul. But that's why I knock Billy Joel. I'm like, Billy, I love you. You were like, how old were you in 1993? In your late forties, he stopped. He stopped making music. I mean, McCartney has put out twenty five albums in that time. The Stones are still going. Like there was no reason to stop. I was because River of Dreams was that last album in nineteen ninety three, and apparently, I saw a documentary that that Billy wasn't even that, that Billy had his eye on on giving up the music business before the River of Dreams album, but. A business partner kind of or one of his business managers or someone, I forget who, but someone kind of was a little fugazi and took some money and he had less money than he thought he had. So he, he went out, he made the album, River of Dreams album, went on tour with it and made some money on tour. But and it's a it's a solid album. River of Dreams is a good song. I love that song. There's a couple of really good lyrics in it. Um, but then he stopped making music. He did a couple of classical music things, but like I've always been disappointed. Yeah, I wanted to hear new Billy stuff. Why is that? You're a young man. You're a songwriter. You can still play the piano clearly. Write a song. I love Paul McCartney for that. I know some of the stuff is terrible. I'll be the first to admit some of his some of his later albums. You're not gonna have a. You're not gonna when you put out nothing. When you put out an album once every other year for sixty years, you're gonna have some doozies. So I have no, I have no qualms about saying some of the McCartney stuff isn't that great. But at least he's out there putting out new music. 
And even if an album had one good song on it, it's one new Paul McCartney song that I love. What's the matter with that? But Billy Joel, for the first time, at least in my memory, since 1993, is going to have a new song. I'm looking forward to it. I have no, because of what I just said about Paul McCartney, I have no real expectations of it knocking my socks off or anything. But it'll be nice to have new Billy Joel music. And he, I, I've always got on him. I, you know, I'm sure Billy sleeps up at night, is, is up at night about me criticizing him for not putting out new music. But, like, he stopped way too young. In all these years, all these concerts, and I appreciate that he plays nothing but the hits. That's because all—that's all he's got. And I, you know, I—I I just watched a documentary on Barry Sanders. I appreciate leaving at the top of your game. I do, but you know, keep making music. I hope this leads to like an album. I hope he decides to do more music. Love Billy Joel. I just got into an argument today. We were talking about this with my buddies. And like, he's got like five good songs. I'm like, five? What are you nuts? Five good songs. Guy's got like 55 good songs. I always said like, because for whatever reason, in my mind and with like people I discuss, he never gets compared to, you know, in my mind with Paul or the Beatles or any of those. Uh, for whatever reason, the comparison is always Bruce Springsteen. I don't know why. Maybe it's because it's local, right? Both are local. Uh, both perform around here a lot. But that's always like, who do you like better? Are you a, a Billy guy or a Bruce guy? And this is what I'll always say, and this is a firm, this is exactly how I feel. Like, there are some situations where, especially music, it's so subjective, but I know exactly how I feel in the debate of Billy Joel versus Bruce Springsteen. Bruce, if you were going to take all their songs, the five best, in my mind, the five best songs between the two are probably all Bruce, and then the next 35 are Billy. Like I love the top, the 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 great Bruce Springsteen songs, "Born to Run," uh, "Thunder Road." Like I, for me, Rosalita. Different, but like I love like the the top top Bruce Springsteen songs. The classic ones for me, in my mind, are better than any. The best of 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 Bruce is better than the best of Billy. But then the next, like forever, is Billy Joel. Like he's got so many just really good, like albums just full of, like, really good, top-notch quality songs. So, like, that's what I always say. I say the best of the best of Bruce is better than the best of Billy, but then the the the, re- the next, after the top 10, let's just say top 10 to be fair, the top 10 is probably mostly Bruce. From 10 to th- 10 to 50 is almost, is dominated by Billy Joel. He's just got so many great, catchy songs. I mean, and it's just, and I, and I was just listening to some, he hates the sound of his own voice. He thinks he's a terrible singer. Billy's a great singer. Love Billy's voice. He does a lot of different stuff. Can do a bunch of different things. Love Billy. So Billy Joel, for the first time since 1993 in the River of Dreams album, new music. I'm looking forward to it. We'll play it on the show when it comes out. 877-337-6666. You want to call me about Billy and Bruce, that's fine. But we've started talking about the Jets. I'm positive on the Jets. As we're getting ready for this championship weekend, I envision, I look into the future, and I say to myself, a year from now, in February, in January of 2025, there's no reason we shouldn't be at least, you know, either breaking down the end of the Jets season that just took place or getting ready for the Jets to play in this next week. I really firmly believe that. Kate in Smithtown. What's up, Kate? Um, I just want to 100% agree with you on that because that was the conversation that we were all having 
last year, last summer, leading into, you know, watching, you know, Hard Knocks and, you know, watching Aaron Rodgers just, Right, you know, run camp, yeah, and you know, you know, you were saying about the the, the coaching staff and replacing Joe Douglas and, uh, you know, uh, Sala, and you know, even if they fired them, who's going to want that job? Who's going to want to come into that environment? Number one, number mm-hmm. two, I do hope that they learned their lesson on on on. Getting all these players, Nicole Hardman, Dalvin Cook, you know, spending all this money on these players, and then you know your quarterback goes down, and then you, you know you have to sell them for pennies on the dollar. You know, it, it's it's. I'm hoping that they're a little bit more economical, and I hope that they draft smart. They do have a lot of draft picks this year, and you know they have a you know number ten pick. Um, so I'm hoping yeah. that they that they fill in the gaps there. But I absolutely 100 percent agree with you that we're going to be having the same conversation this year that we were having last year. You know, if you're a true Jet fan, and I'm not even a Jet fan, I'm a born Giants fan. Mm-hmm. I lost a bet and had to raise my kids Jets fans, so I kind of, you know, <laughs> you know, came into that. I hope I but, hope with your, your husband or something like that, who'd you lose the bet with that you had to uh, uh, raise your kids' uh, uh, Jet my, fan? My, my first kid was born uh, the day before the Jets-Giants game back in December 2015. Okay. And I said, all right, you know, whoever win, wins. Whoever wins. I yeah, like and I it. thought, you know, you know, it's a safe bet. No, no, I was wrong. Yeah. So, yeah, my kids are Jets fans. You know, but anyway. That's funny. <laughs> you know, so I kind of, you know, I'm both now. Right. But, you know, and I'm also just a football fan in general. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I 100% agree with you. Like, you know, Aaron Rodgers, you know, was the most inspirational player on the team, and he wasn't even playing. Right. No, I mean, you listen. Know, that he, says something. I agree I think, with you. I agree with you. Yeah. Whatever I mean, I we think... might, whatever we might think of him, and whatever we might, uh, from a million miles away, have an opinion on his impact on the team. There's no doubt the players in that room believe that Aaron Rodgers is a game changer. I, I was reading the quotes uh, from Wilson a week and a half ago, whatever it was, when he was asked in a Raider interview. He's and he said when they were asked, "Do you think uh, uh, that 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 Rodgers could make?" that much of a change in the offense and he was laughing he said of course he's an offense yeah. onto himself like he changes everything we do and of course like he's and uh, he changes it not only for the players but for everyone in the organization and yeah. some you know you you can argue that he has too much influence yep and it de- and I, it definitely felt that way leading into no it, doubt. But, and it was a detriment you know, to the team once he got hurt. There's no doubt about it. Without him, well, when obviously. you allow him to build, the, when you allow him to be such a key figure in building the team, when you allow him to be the you know the guy you talk about in defensive meetings, and he's everything to the team, and you you've let him bring in his guys, and it's him kind of running the show. When he goes down, it absolutely it it hurts your season more than you could possibly imagine it's even different than just a, a normal starting quarterback going down yeah but you know it's what the it heart and soul hurt? of the team yeah it, it's the heart and soul of the team but just because he went down he wasn't missing the one thing it didn't hurt was his reputation in the locker room completely agree. because he was ever present even though he couldn't play yep 
and all, all he did was try and get back. That's that that was exactly. his. Whatever we want to think, and I'm, I'm totally with you. Whatever we think about his impact on the team and how it hurt them, whatever we think about his Pat McAfee interviews, whatever we think about it was never it was never realistic. He'd come back from injury. It was always BS. It was just you know a way to m- make him seem special and hi- a way for him to take on the science community. Like people believe that stuff, and and maybe there's some truth in some of it. But I, but, but the I don't point think is that that's what he's trying to do well that's that's fine and even if he was on some level that's fine i don't care the only thing he tried to do was get back to that team and he came back every chance he could and he was there and he and he wanted to work on the field with them and he wanted to show them and and dangle that carrot of hey if you guys can figure this out maybe i'll come back and push this thing like like we've seen so many and now and what does he do double down as soon as the season's over or as soon as they were mathematically eliminated the first thing he says is, I'm, I'm in for this for the long haul. I can play for another couple of years. I want to be here. I want to bring winning to the Jets. How many times have we seen guys who are, you know, quote-unquote mercenaries, as Evan Roberts loves to call them, how many times have we seen these guys duck their tail between their legs and run for cover the minute there is any, any kind of adversity, any kind of issues? Like, all these guys want out the second. Like, like KD, and it's not the same situation, I get it, but KD comes in for the Nets, and part of the reason he came here is because he loved the head coach. Halfway through the first season, yeah, no, Atkinson's got to go. Like, it's just, instead of Rodgers comes here and goes, no, no, I came here because I believed in Sala and Douglas and this team, and that's what I think we should stick with. Like, I, exactly. I, I respect that on, on many ways, and I think it's going to help them next year. Yeah, and, you know, you can call him a narcissist. Yeah. You know, you could say that, you know. You certainly can. You certainly can. But also, you know, and I'm going to make a bold statement here, but Ooh. look at Michael Jordan. Look at Michael Jordan. Oh, I and mean, his comeback, yeah. and you know, you and like you know, you, anyone who's you know has Netflix has probably seen you know the, the Last Dance sure, by now. Everyone has, yeah. but you know, you know, you see Michael Jordan, and he's not ashamed of that attitude. Not at all. It's a different. It's a different time now. I mean, you look at the the media attention that Kelsey gets, and he's a great player. He's been consistently a top tight end. Him and Kittle, you know, they've been consistently. He's been a consistently a top tight end player, only now because he's dating Taylor Swift, people are hating on him because he's yeah. getting all this media attention because it's a distraction. And yes, Aaron Rodgers is a distraction because the media gives him that attention. And yes, maybe he likes it, but who cares? He has celebrity status. Let him use it. It's not detracting from his attitude in the locker room. I, I'm 100%. And that's what matters. You're a fan. That's what matters. Yeah, Kate, I don't think you could have put it any better. Thank you so much for the call. It was a great call. I think you put it perfectly. Uh, the rest of it's noise. Inside the room, they love him. If he's not if he's not playing, yes, it hurts. And, and, God, and I'm telling you right now, as much as I'm telling you it's important to get a backup quarterback, I mean, if he comes in and plays well right away, maybe. But if Rodgers goes down, it's going to kill the team again. I mean that's just that's just the way I mean that's how important he is to this team. And I respect I, I, I do respect the the I mean nobody who has shown this much you know I, he's not K D. It's not the NBA. He doesn't have all the suitors, he's at the tail end of his career. It's not like he had it's not like if if he just said to right now and told the Jets he wanted traded, there'd be a um you know a million people offering first round picks for the for Aaron Rodgers. I get that it's not quite the same as KD, but still, ultimately, he wants the Jets. Who wants the Jets? Who has ever wanted the Jets? Like he's doubled down on it. 
And he's done everything he could to come in here and immediately, whether it's for selfish reasons or not, whether it's phony reasons or not, which I, I think it's pessimistic to just assume it's for selfish and phony reasons, but he's come here and changed the narrative of the guy who couldn't work with young kids immediately. He's out there on the town going to Nick games, going to Ranger games with Sauce, going to places, you know, getting the chains with Sauce, going, hanging out with, with Wilson and Hall and all those guys, like, immediately. He's putting his arms around Mekhi Becton. He wanted to, and I think this is probably part of it, he wanted to knock the moniker of him not being willing to work with love, so he, he wanted to kind of groom Zach Wilson which I respect, and it ultimately ended up hurting the Jets, but I respect it. And I think the team buys into it. I think they believe in him, and I think this team is going to be much better off next year than you think. As long as he's healthy, I think the team is far better. And we talk about the offensive line, and me and Flegelman were talking about this. Watch the team. Go back and watch the games if you care to. But, Jet fans, you remember them. The second, I shouldn't say the second, but when Simeon took over, the offensive line got better. The offense got better. Not great. Not world beaters. But Simeon came in, and that offense suddenly, you know, the offensive line played better. There was a little bit. The hall played better. They scored more points. They played better. The offense was better. Zach Wilson, unfortunately, stinks. He's got the tools. And maybe under maybe they did him wrong, and they were unable to get the best of him, and he goes somewhere else and flourishes. I, I wouldn't be totally shocked. But it just did not work here, and he was terrible. And if you want to tell me you can't understand how the Jets are going to be better next year or how I'm like some uh, pie-in-the-sky optimist because I think the Jets are going to improve next year, they're going to go from the worst quarterback in the league. You're talking about the Sala being the worst head coach in the league? That's... That's a little bit subjective. You want to go on records, I suppose, but it's a little subjective. There is there is hard evidence that Zach Wilson is the worst quarterback in the league, and they're going from him to a Hall of Famer who is a year removed, and this is now two years removed, from back-to-back MVPs. Yeah, I think they're going to improve. And as I watch this AFC, I think they're right there the same way I did going into it this year. But honestly, I feel even better about it this year because unless Miami's playing in Miami, I don't trust them. Kansas City's offense, again, here they are with him and Andy Reid. Mahomes and Andy Reid taking on the championship game yet again. But that offense is, is as weak as it's been. The Bills continue to push that boulder up and hit the Kansas City wall and fall right back down. They are going to be over the cap. Um, um, Diggs is no longer the player he used to be. They became a, a run-first game, a run-first offense. And as good as I think Josh Allen is, I think they might. I think there's a good chance they're not as good next year. I think they have a very good chance the Jets do to win this division. The fan is better when you're a part of it. Call us at 877-337-6666. Powered by Paramount Plus. Stream the NFL on CBS live on Paramount Plus. All right, 130. Chris McMonagle here with you in the overnights. I got you till 5 o'clock in the morning, 877-337-6666. Talked about Jets 
and the football as we're getting ready for Championship Sunday. Looking forward to it. I'm actually a buddy of mine is having a little bit of an annual. He did it last year with the Super Bowl, but um, his uh, wife was due right around the Super Bowl, but they just had the baby. So I don't know if poker's still on, but we were going to play poker. Congratulations to the Morstats on little baby Molly. Um, so I don't know if we're going to play poker, but I was looking forward to playing poker early in the day before the games. This is it. The football season's coming to an end. This is really the last. The Super Bowl is such a, a show and the pomp and circumstance of the Super Bowl. You, you end up losing. You watch it with people who aren't football fans a lot, right? That's You go to a party or, or something. Like even if, you know, my age, you have a couple people over or something. But still, your wife, certainly my wife, who isn't interested in football at all, is a little more interested. You watch, you, you, you're focused on the, on the commercials and different things. I mean, the, you watch the game. But this is the last. This Sunday... The 3 o'clock, 6.30. This is the last Sunday of football. And, you know, as we get uh, ready to say goodbye to the NFL season, I just, you know, as we look ahead, I still do think the Jets can be a much better team than people want to give it credit for. But I do want to talk about something uh, that happened in the uh, the Lions-Tampa Bay game I didn't get a chance to talk about yesterday. We were on for three hours, and so much of the two-point conversion stuff became a storyline. But I'm 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 wondering if two buddies or two coaches literally just had a, a handshake deal at the end of that game. Because I, I don't know what the hell happened at the end of the I still have we heard anything new on this, please, before I get into it? Because I, I didn't bother to check before I get into this. The the end of the we were talking about it yesterday, the end of the game where the clock running out and why Todd Bowles did not take the last his last time out to stop the clock. Did anybody talk? I know Todd Bowles just said, hey, why delay delay the inevitable? But that doesn't make any sense. Like, it doesn't make any sense. So if you're watching the end of the game, Baker Mayfield throws the interception in the middle of the field. Game over, pretty much, right? They're down eight because they didn't get the two-point conversion. So they're down eight points. There's like, what, a minute? Help me out this, please. Like, there's a minute and 30 seconds left? In the beginning of the sequence, there's about a minute 30. But yeah. when they snap the ball for third, third down, down, 30 seconds left. That I know. But so, but my point is, is they could have taken it much further down. So what happens is Baker Mayfield throws the interception. There's about a minute and 30 seconds left. And Detroit takes over at the 28-yard line. All right, so well, let me explain the whole thing. Then we'll hear from uh, Coach. So they the Lions take over. At the 28-yard line with a, roughly a minute and a half left. And the Tampa Bay Bucks have one timeout left. Now, if you were to take the full 40 seconds on each play, like the Lions should do, right? Without With the one timeout at the end, there should be about, I, I did the math, it should be about like three seconds left, something along those lines. But if you watch it, the Lions ran up and snapped the ball ridiculously quick. Like one of them was like 17 or 18 seconds left on the play clock. So when they snap the third down, and Tampa Bay never takes the timeout. So when they snap and take the kneel on third down, which means fourth down is coming up, there's 30 seconds left on the clock. If Tampa Bay and Todd Bowles take a timeout there, you are going to force. 
Campbell and the Lions to make a decision whether to attempt a field goal, which would make it a two-score game and pretty much end the game, or do they – I mean, that's really the only option. You could run a play and just make them go the length of the field if you're afraid – of giving them extra yardage on a missed field goal or a blocked field goal. Or you could like or, do a pooch punt, try you to could pin do them like, back another you could 15, do like 20 a, yards. You could do a pooch punt or something or just, you know, take a snap, have have Goff run around for 10, 12 seconds before he has to throw it away, something like that to eliminate time if you don't want to take the chance of something going wrong on the field goal. But you have you could force them into a play. Like this 30 seconds left. Now that's on the Lions. For not taking the – I've never you, – you wait the 40 seconds, you snap the football. I've never – 16, 17 seconds left on the clock regularly, and it doesn't make any sense. With 30 seconds left, you have got to call that timeout. This is, this is the playoffs. This is your life. Crazier things have happened. The Lions have given you a gift to force them into a play where you're going to get the ball. You could throw a deep pass, get a, pa- get a penalty, and set yourself up for a Hail Mary at the end of the game. Something. So this was Todd Bowles in the postgame on why he didn't call a timeout there. Uh, Todd Bowles today, excuse me, why he didn't call a timeout at the end of the uh, at the end of the game there. It's not a gentleman's agreement. They were in field goal range. Uh, we'd have had 12 seconds calculated after using that timeout to come back from it. Then we would have been down 11 points. It's kind of pointless. You kind of know when the game is over, and the game was over. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Like, I like Todd Bowles. That's the stupidest. We just, we've seen missed field. It was the 28-yard line. It wasn't a guaranteed field goal. We've been talking about the extra point. And it was the 31 after the three kneels. And it's the 31 after the three kneels. You are looking at a 47, 48-yard field goal. That's a guarantee? I understand they're inside, and I know he was earlier. He was asked about the weather earlier in the week. Yeah, they're they're in controlled weather. They don't have to worry about the wind like they did in Buffalo. But a 47, 48-yard field goal is by no means a give-me kick. If he somehow misses, you have the ball on the 41-yard line. With 30 with, seconds. Even if there were 12 seconds and Bulls right. was wrong, right. you at the end of this play would have about 26, 27 seconds, 59 yards to go. You could get, that's, You have to take that chance. Like it, I think he's lying. I think it was a gentleman's agreement. I honestly do. I think that they under I think they understood and once once the Lions took that first snap and Tampa Bay didn't take the timeout, I think Campbell had the understanding, all right, they're not calling timeouts. So just get up there, snap as quick as possible, let's move on, let's get out of here. We don't we don't like and and the and 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 the Bucks just allowed it to happen. And Bowles just said, Yeah, yeah, it's over. That's I'm sorry. I like Todd Bowles as a person. I actually think he's a pretty good defensive coordinator, a very good defensive coordinator. And I actually picked him in the game because I thought his defensive scheme and the blitz and the pressure he could create on Goff would keep that game close and create some mistakes for the Lions. God knows why he didn't do it. So when you take into consideration the idea that he did not attempt to put the pressure on Goff that I thought could keep them in the game and that was certainly a factor in the Philadelphia playoff when they had the week before. And then you take into account that he does this at the end of the game where, I, I, okay, you want to give up and not call the timeout on the first snap? Fine. You want to just say, hey, the game's over. Even if I stop the clock, they're going to leave me with three seconds left. I can't win. Fine. 
when they continue to snap the ball early, and when you see on third down you have 30 seconds left, it's malpractice not to take the timeout. There's no other way to put it. It's malpractice. I, I don't get it. It's a it's an it's an odd thing. No one's going to blink twice about. They're not going to lose the game. You know, it's they're not going to win the game. Anything could happen, but most likely they're not going to win the game. But man, oh man, that that's just puzzling behavior. What's a higher win probability? The Bucks there is the Lions. Let's say they're lining up for a field goal with 33 seconds left, mm-hmm. or the Jets at the end of the Jet Giant game, or the Jets at the end of that Browns game, or how many other games we can go through over just the last few years where, yep. eh, the game was over. But maybe it's not. You're 100% right. And this isn't some, you know, middle-of-the-season, regular-season game. This is a playoff game. I mean, you have got to play this thing out. And it's the the Lions made the mistake to allow you to have that opportunity. If they if they wrote it down all the way, it would have been like three seconds. You call that final t- final timeout, I think it would have been less than 10 for sure. You include the time it takes to get a kick. Unless you're blocking it and running that kick for a touchback, a touchdown, you that's probably the end of the game. So I would understand it if there was f- seven seconds left after that third down. All right, what's the point? Even then, I'd probably do it. But 30 seconds? You have got to force them to make a decision on whether or not to kick a 48-yard field goal. I don't, I, don't, I don't understand it. One of the weirder things, and listen, he's done a nice job. I thought they had, I thought they were going to be the worst team in that division. I did. I thought they were going to be the worst team in that division. To win the division and win a playoff game with Baker Mayfield and the rest of that team, now they have weapons offensively. Certainly in the past game, they have, uh, you know, uh, Evans is a legitimate, you know, borderline Hall of Fame player, if not Hall of Fame player. And they've got some weapons, and the defense actually got after it a little bit better than I think most people thought. But still, that's a great coaching job by Todd Bowles. You have to be fair. For the regular season, it's a good head coaching job. In this game, although I agree with him taking the two-point conversion, his game plan defensively made no sense. And his and, and him not taking a that's, – that's punting on – it's giving up a playoff game. That's just saying, yeah, what the hell, I'm beat. That's – it's crazy. If a New York football coach yeah. did what Bulls did, yeah, how we, long would it be before we talked about something else? A week? Probably, yeah. Probably something that we'd still be talking like, about. We can't get sure. fans to agree on anything. Yeah. If a Jet or Giant head coach did that, yeah. would anybody say, yeah, you know no. what, that guy should keep his job as and much I, as you like them? And I don't. I, yeah, you're right. and it's not getting much buzz. I'm surprised. I don't feel like it's that big a story. Um I mean, people this could have, have been a situation, it. again, it's .01% where yes. we're killing Dan Campbell for how do you not tell Jared Goff, wait until there's one second on the play clock. Everybody knows that when of you're kneeling. Of course, of course. Of course. It makes me think that there was some sort of – I what I honestly think happened, what I honestly think happened, I don't know if it's a gentleman's agreement. I think when they did not take the timeout after the first kneel down, he assumed they're not calling timeouts and just went up there and started snap hiking the ball. And taking the snaps. I think that's what happened. I think he just assumed, well, they if they were going to call the timeout, they'd call it now. They didn't. All right, the game's over. Which could be a new strategy, maybe to uh, sucker teams into leaving more time on the clock than they should have. But hopefully that's a lesson for everybody. But, yeah, I don't I don't understand it. That's that's just it's bad coaching. When you, when you, when some, when a team makes a mistake and affords you an opportunity, I, you're right, the, that's almost the exact same scenario as the Giant game. You missed that kick. Actually, and the Giants were closer, weren't they? Yeah. Now, the weather was different, and, and, the, the, and kicker the kicker was, was injured. Hurt. But, yeah, 
Like, but still, yeah, that's almost the exact. If they miss that kick, you are talking about being sixty yards at the minute, sixty yards away with let's say twenty five seconds left. You could get a penalty and a hail mary, and, and you have Chris Godwin, you have Mike Evans. Yeah, like that's crazy. If you had to pick one receiver in this league to come down with a hail mary, yeah, Mike Evans is top three. Let me ask you: ask a Lion fan how he would feel with the with with the with Tampa Bay down eight, having the ball with twenty five seconds left on the opposing forty. That Lions fan would not be able to sit down. You would be absolutely nervous as hell that you've allowed yourself to be put in that situation. You had to do that. You, as as the coach of the Bucks, you had to call that timeout. Hell, I, I, if I'm on the field and I realize the clock, I'm calling a time. I'm I'm trying to go like this to the ref. Like you got to call that timeout. Embarrassing. It's funny because I could. You obviously thought this going in. We both did. We talked about it yesterday. Yeah. The more you talk about it out loud, the more egregious it becomes yes. that he did not call the no, timeout. It's crazy. It doesn't make any sense. It's indefensible. And and like I, most people, are just like ah, the game was over anyway. I, I mean, I suppose, but anything could happen. It's the NFL, and you're fighting. This is, imagine you win that game. You're playing in the you're playing in the NFC Championship game. If you win that game, I, I'm sorry. That's just and I like Todd Bowles again. I do. I like him. I think he's a better coach than most people give him credit for. I don't think he's a very good coach, and it, but this was a disaster. Thinking of another famous playoff game, they got referenced all weekend: the Bills and the Chiefs two yeah, years ago. Thirteen well, that seconds was over left yeah. until it wasn't. Until it wasn't, and that was you know McDermott made a mistake in that game, kicking the ball out of the end zone. Yep. When the other coach makes a mistake, it's your job to be aware and you know Bill Belichick is catching that and calling timeout. Oh, you know it, you know it. What if they? What if the? I mean, I know it's crazy. What if the snap goes over the 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 holder's head? Anything is Anything could happen. That's why anything could happen. That ball could have been hiked down to the f- the the opposing forty. Who knows? That's even with three seconds. With twenty seconds left, you're talking about like the chance for multiple plays. No doubt. No doubt. There's a good chance that you are throwing it into the end zone. There's a decent enough chance. Like forget miracles. It's a miracle you you catch the hail mary. Fine. There is a decent enough chance that if that field goal is missed in any way. You are throwing it into the end zone. Now, again, a four, inside the dome, a 48-yard field goal, it's probably somewhere near, what, an 80% chance he makes the field goal, 85% chance he makes the field goal. Inside 50 in a controlled environment, it's probably inside. It's probably just inside, I don't know, 85%. A doomed fan base like the Lions would tell you, hey, yeah. 20s looked bigger than it ever has before. I, yeah, I'm not... I am furious. We know what Jets fans, Bills fans, Lions yeah. fans, Browns fans are thinking in that moment. Oh, if I'm a Lions fan, I am furious at Dan Campbell. I'm kicking that field goal. I am furious that the game is in that position where I have to kick that field goal. The game was over the second the interception is thrown. And the idea that they didn't allow it to be would have driven me absolutely nuts. But Todd Bowles just said, ah, what the hell? I mean, it was over. You, you know when the game's over. No, no, no. You know, how we, In fact, I'm sorry. You're right. We do know when the game's over. It's when the clock hits zero. Until then, the game isn't over. And if you have an p- opportunity, they have these things they call timeouts where you get to magically, like Zach Morris, stop time. And if you can stop time, then you prolong the length of the game. So we didn't know the game was over. The game wasn't over. You could have stopped the time and prolonged the game and given yourself, even if it's 1%, that's what the coach is there for. 
If it is a if it is a one percent better chance of winning that game, you have to take it. That's what it's about. It's about winning the football game, and it's it, it's just mind boggling to me that they let it slide, <laughs> and then. And then nobody, I, I, I don't know. I, again, I don't, I'm sleeping or and then I'm, I'm hanging out with my kids doing math homework, taking them to Taekwondo. I didn't get a chance to watch ESPN. I don't think many people are going nuts about it. But, yeah, I would be absolutely apoplectic. But that's Todd Bowles. 877-337-6666. What else is going on? We talked about the Hall of Fame. The Hall of Fame voting is tomorrow. Um... Well, uh, they'll announce who's in. I guess Beltre is the one guy who's absolutely going to get in on the first ballot. Trying to think of... um, I had the ballot up here for a second. Todd Todd Helton is the other guy who got a bunch of the vote last year. So Todd Helton last year got 72%. You need 75%. There's a usually when you get that high, you're going to get in. Billy Wagner. The one thing about Todd Helton, I'll say, and this bothers me a lot when people say this, like, if you are going to knock people or hinder their ability to get into the the Hall of Fame based on their stats in their home building, do not have a team in Colorado. Do not allow a building in an area where you are going to hold people back because of their statistics in that building. That's absolute garbage. I'm sorry. He he had the he didn't add, he, he got dra- he got drafted by uh, by Colorado. He played there. He was a, a long he was a career long uh, Rocky. It's not like he went there with 575 home runs, washed up, hoping to hit 25 more, or 475, hoping to hit five more, 25 more. Like Todd Hilton played his entire career with the Colorado Rockies. If you're gonna if you're gonna knock his ability to get into the Hall of Fame for that, then they shouldn't have a team in Colorado. You shouldn't be allowed to play in a ballpark where it's going to hurt your ability to get into the Hall of Fame. Billy Wagner is 68%. He's probably going to get in. And Billy Wagner is right on the borderline for me when it comes to like relievers getting in. I think when you pitch one inning a game, like it's tough. It's tough. You have to be Mariano, even Hoffman. Like, let's be honest. Trevor Hoffman was a great regular season performer. You never trusted him in a big game, but I get him getting in. The numbers are there. And Billy Wagner was a dominant closer, threw hard, but what was there, like two two to three years where he was like, was he ever the best closer in baseball? I mean, he was one of them, I guess. I don't, I'm right there with Billy Wagner. I have no problem if he gets in. I don't know if I'd vote for him. You know where I feel. The big one for me, and this is his last year on the ballot, is Gary Sheffield. Gary Sheffield is a no-brainer Hall of Famer. Now I know he's got some steroid taint to him. I don't. I, he never tested positive for anything. I don't believe he admitted to taking the cream, which is literally just a cream he would rub on his knee. That's what he admitted to. So if he admitted to that, you could argue there's more. Right, so I I understand the thought process. Once you get painted with that brush in any way, then you're just a steroid guy. That's it, no argument. But I don't view him as the the same in the steroid, which is maybe my own faulting. But I don't. I vote for all the Hall of Fame guys. But if you ask me, and Gary Sheffield last year was at fifty five percent. This will be his last year on the ballot. 
Gary Sheffield was was one of the more feared hitters in in baseball. There's just no like I was watching SNY a little bit before, and they were talking about it, and I heard Sal in particular. I'm gonna have the conversation. I'm gonna have to have a conversation with Sal. He's like, I don't know, a bit of a compiler. I know he got the 500 home runs. I I do not view Gary Sheffield as a compiler. Gary Sheffield has a career 900 OPS. I mean, Gary Sheffield was one of the more feared hitters in baseball. You did not want Gary Sheffield coming to the plate in a big spot. I mean, he's a 292 career hitter. He's got a 900 OPS. Like on the list, everyone's going to complain. Everyone's going to tell you Beltran's a Hall of Famer. Beltran's a Hall of Famer, which I don't disagree with. I think Beltran belongs in the Hall of Fame too. His OPS is 70 points lower than Gary Sheffield. Now he's a gold glove caliber center. He's a gold glove center fielder. For a while there, he had one of the better stolen base percentages in the history of baseball. He could run. He could do different things. But, I mean, who would you rather have up in a big spot? I know he's a switch hitter as well. I'd much rather. Uh, if you if you told me I, I had to face either Gary Sheffield or Carlos Beltran, Carlos Beltran in a big spot, I'd much rather face Carlos Beltran. I would. And I know Carlos Beltran put on, you know, was a great postseason performer in that 04 season with the Astros. He was incredible. It's one of the best playoff, you know, performances we've ever seen. And I and I like Carlos Beltran and I put him in the Hall of Fame. But a lot of people around here at least, specifically because he played for the Mets, but you know, Sheffield played for the Yankees for a handful of years and, you know, at the tail end of his career played for the Mets, got his five hundredth home run at City Field. I don't think Beltron is a much better case for the Hall of Fame than Gary Sheffield is. I think Gary Sheffield was a dominant force and hit the ball as hard as anybody and was a feared, feared opponent. That's what I, I that's what I want in my Hall of Famers. Like when they played, were you afraid of them? I think that is a for me, a enormous part of it. When I think of a player, was I afraid of him coming up in a big spot? And that goes beyond some of the, you know. On, on some, yeah, the punch and Judy hitters or whatever who would scare you for a base hit or something. Yeah, you can't put them in the Hall of Fame. Like Darren Erstadt used to scare the hell out of me <laughs> when, he, when he used to play for the Angels. I would hate when Darren Erstadt would come up, but that doesn't mean he's a Hall of Famer. I, I get that. But Gary Sheffield is one of the more feared hitters in baseball. I absolutely think he's a Hall of Famer. So the new players this year are Adrian Beltre, who will absolutely be a Hall of Famer. Um... He's going to have 477 home runs, 1,700 RBIs, hit 286, 819 OPS plus was just a brilliant, it was a very, it was obviously a very good third baseman. He's a no-brainer. So Beltre's getting in on his first time. The other big question mark here is Joe Maurer. Now, Joe Maurer, to have a career batting average of 300, the problem with Joe Maurer is he transitioned to first base for more years than you'd think. So Joe Maurer played first base for eight seasons. So he played 921 games as a catcher and 600 games as a first baseman. And then 300 games as a DH. So half of his career was not behind the plate. 
And that's what's going to hurt him, the, the not longevity at the catcher position. But when he was a catcher and he was winning batting titles, I mean, he was – I mean, Joe Maurer was one of the best players in Major League Baseball for a long time. He was – I mean, catcher, he won multiple batting titles as a catcher. It's unheard of. Practically unheard of. And he was he was not great behind the plate, but he was very good behind the plate. Joe Maurer is, is right there on the fence. And then, uh, obviously, the big one around here, I don't know why anyone would, you know, David Wright, I love David Wright. David Wright's not a Hall of Famer. David Wright's just not a Hall of Famer. He didn't play long enough. I, I, I like David Wright. He was on pace to be a Hall of Famer. He was on pace to have, you know, and be one of the, if not the greatest position player in Met history, but his back just didn't allow it. And as much as you might all love him, you know. And I don't understand. I, I heard, um, what's his name on SNY, talk about voting for people just to keep them on the ballot. I He's either a Hall of Famer or he's not. Voting for David Wright for the Hall of Fame is a wasted vote. He's not a Hall of Famer. Now, I, I don't know if uh, Chase Utley's not. Matt Holliday's not. These are some of the guys. Bartolo Colon. Is not Matt Holiday, but Adrian Gonzalez, Jose Batista, Jose Reyes is not. Victor Martinez was a damn good player, but he's not a Hall of Famer either. Big game James Shield is not, and Brandon Phillips. Brandon Phillips had a couple of years of being one of the best second basemen in the league, but no, he's not either. But for me, it's Gary Sheffield. But we'll get to the votes tomorrow. We'll get we'll break it down a little bit more. We'll see who gets in. Uh, I do love um I do love the Hall of Fame baseball. I've been there a couple times. Uh, that's a fun trip. I got to take. I've never been with the kids. I got to take the kids. Although they don't, they don't care about baseball at all, and they pretend to care about football. I, I literally, I, I. Oh, I forgot to say this. I, I figured out a way for the volume of my three TVs. I know Fleegelman would be very excited about this. So here's the simple solution. It was, it was, it's an easy solution. I should have thought of it earlier. I bought Bluetooth headphones. I can't believe I didn't think of it either earlier. I bought a decent but not crazy expensive, like just under 100 bucks, a pair of wireless Bluetooth headphones that I connected to the TV. And so as I'm watching the TV, if I want to listen to the big TV that's playing, I took the headphones off. If I want to listen to the smaller TV that has the, the – I connected that TV to the wireless Bluetooth, and I'm able to just bounce back and forth. Or listen to both with one ear off, one ear on. Like it was a, it's a perfect setup. I have three TVs. I guess theoretically I could really, uh, you know, get a second pair of headphones, but that seems a bit much. But I have a pair of headphones and I connected it Bluetooth. And so yesterday I got fed up and my kids were just crazy. They were like, oh yeah, we'll watch for daddy. I want to watch football with you. Oh, it's the Chiefs. I love the Chiefs. Okay. Yeah. Sit next to me. Just absolute maniacs. So I got in frustration. I just got up and I got my wireless headphones. I put the game on the smaller TV as opposed to my big TV in the middle. I put my game on the smaller TV and connected it to my wireless headphones and sat there so I wouldn't have to hear my kids do their wrestling match or whatever it was because they just, they say they want to listen. They're not there yet. They're not there yet. They're not interested in sitting and watching the whole game. It lasted about 15, 20 minutes and then they're maniacs and I'm trying to listen to, you know, Jim Rome, uh, Jim Rome, Jim Nance, and Tony Romo. That's probably where I made this thing. And the bloom is off the rose on Romo, huh? Nobody likes Romo anymore. Everybody's bad-mouthing how terrible Tony Romo is at these broadcasts. 
It's amazing. When he first hit the scene, it was like nothing we've ever seen before. He projects every play. It's like he's got a time machine. And now it's like, oh, Romo sucks. Gee, Romo, Romo sucks. 158. McMonigle here with you. Two hours down, three more to go on our five-hour midnight ride. Come back, take your phone calls. Jets, baseball, football, how stupid Todd Bowles is. Anything you want to talk about over the next three hours. We still got some other fun stuff. I do want to get to the Knicks, obviously. Knicks and Nets tonight. And now what should they do? They need to make moves. And hopefully Hardenstein's not banged up for too long. But what do they do in the meantime? How do they protect the rim? What are they going to do for uh, that the the five slot? Ananubi, do you put Randall there? That's what Thibodeau said. I don't know if I like Randall there. But I guess you could for a short term. But now do they have to go out and add some depth at a couple of different spots if they want to make it through the rest of the season and be the five seed they currently are.